1: Welcome to ECommerce Conversations by Practical E-Commerce. I'm Carrie Murdoch. Comparison shopping engines can drive traffic to an e-commerce site. But there are over 120 such engines, and how to decide which of them to use and whether to use them at all is our topic today. We are joined by an expert in comparison shopping engines and an innovator and pioneer in e-commerce generally. He's Scott Wingo, CEO of Channel Advisor, a leading e-commerce software and services provider. Well Scott, thank you for your time today.
0: Thanks Gary. thanks for uh, hosting this interview.
1: Scott, you're an expert on among other things on comparison shopping engines. Our audience as you know is mainly smaller e-commerce merchants. And tell us about uh for purposes of our audience tell us uh about comparison shopping engines how many of them are there how much do they cost and how should smaller merchants be looking at comparison shopping engines as we roll into the holiday season here
0: sure comparison shopping engines have been around since uh kind of the late 90s um so once there was uh, enough e-commerce out there then some entrepreneurs had the brilliant idea of, of having a search engine for those e-commerce sites essentially, uh, and, and thus comparison shopping engines were born. Um, when we look at, at really the broad view of e-commerce, uh, we have data that suggests that if you think about the different channels, we call them, that where e-commerce takes place, search is the largest at about 40%, marketplaces is about 25%, and comparison shopping engines drive about 15% of e-commerce. So they're not they're not the most important channel, but they're definitely top three for most retailers. Um, as we look at comparison shopping engines, there's a lot of them out there. So uh, we we know, uh, for example, our software supports about 120 comparison shopping engines. Um, in the U.S., most people kind of think about the big seven, which are things such as Google's comparison shopping engine called Google Shopping. Uh, then there's uh, shopping.com, Shopzilla, Price grabber, which now also powers Yahoo Shopping, uh, NextTag, The Find, etc. Uh, those are they tend to be horizontal in nature, meaning they have, you can find almost any product. Uh, but we're also seeing an explosion of vertical comparison shopping engines. So, for example, in the jewelry and apparel categories, it's very popular for there to be comparison shopping engines that are really specialized in those
1: areas. So, a small merchant listening to this is wearing several hats, and one one question that we have for you is how do they know which of this comparison shopping engines to get on and should they are they better off focusing their their resources on something like you mentioned SEO at forty percent, something like SEO or paid search given all the complexities involved with comparison shopping engines.
0: Yeah, it, it is an interesting kind of question of when When do you, as a merchant, when do you look at comparison shopping engines? And what we found is um, for smaller merchants, uh, a lot of times we found that they have a lot of success on marketplaces, uh, and then paid search or AdWords is, is pretty complicated because it's pretty time-intensive because you have to come up with the keywords. So we found a lot of them use comparison shopping engine as kind of that second broad category of channel that they they work with. Um, a lot of that's um, driven by some of the free engines that are out there. You know, uh, there's this general misperception about comparison shopping engines that they're, they're very risky and expensive. Uh, and certainly kind of some of the older ones had a cost-per-click model, and, and that is something you need to keep an eye on. But what we typically recommend for smaller merchants is they take advantage of some of the free offerings out there. The largest of which is Google product search, um, also known as Google Shopping. Uh, Whenever you do a search at Google, you'll see uh, quite a lot of different components on the page. So it's called the one box page. So you have, obviously, the paid and natural results. Um, Frequently now, you're seeing YouTube there. But then you also see Google Shopping results integrated there. Uh, and then there's a hybridization happening where Google has a whole bunch of offerings where they're marrying that comparison shopping engine experience of Google Shopping with the paid ad experience of AdWords, and you're seeing things like product listing ads, product extensions, uh, all kinds of, of interesting collisions like that that make this a really important area uh, for, for small merchants. Um, the other two that are very interesting is Bing has actually gone to an all free model here in the last thirty days um, in preparation for holiday two thousand ten so that's one that we're we're trying to educate merchants that is now very much like google product search um, and Bing now powers you out shopping so there's additional ways to get traffic there uh, and the third one is kind of an up and comer it's called Defined, all one word tatfin dot com um, they've come they they've done a very good job of of kind of Working up the ranks of comparison shopping engines to be a top five engine, and they're also free. Um, so, so there you have three of the top ten are free, uh, and definitely something that you should look at. Now, you mentioned SEO. Some people look at this and say, "Well, should I put time in SEO or in comparison shopping engines?" And uh, my answer is usually yes, do both. Um, and, and they actually, in, in our world of e-commerce, these things always are never isolated. Where you kind of say, if I do something on a comparison shopping engine, it won't, won't impact SEO. Comparison shopping engines help your SEO from a number of reasons. Number one, they are inbound links and lots of them, and they typically have very high page ranks because they have lots of content. So a comparison shopping engine can actually be a beneficiary for your SEO strategy. Additionally, if you think about SEO, um, and let's say you have a certain product. Uh, I'll just pick out a like an LCD monitor or an LCD TV uh, as an example. It could be any product. And let's say you've done a lot of work and you're, you're on the front page of SEO. Well, Unless you do some really kind of unsavory things, you're, you're most likely not going to be on that page four times. What comparison shopping engines allow you to do is be on that page four times, and it's kind of like a shelf space strategy. So, what if for that search for an LCD TV, you were in Google Products Shopping? So you're right there at the top from that. You have your SEO efforts, and you're on the front page. Uh, let's say uh, the Find and and another engine that you pay for, maybe um, Next Tag they all rank very highly for that product. Well, now you essentially have, you know, four or five different paths to that that offer that you have through those different SEO campaigns. So, so one way to think about it is you can piggyback on all the work from an SEO perspective that the comparison to shopping and Then what we usually find is after the free programs, then that gives you a lot of data to go figure out if the paid programs will work. So you can go see, for example, how much traffic is Google product um, Search sending to your items, what are your top sellers, and those are probably really good candidates for a paid program. So then you can go to a shopping.com, ShopZilla, Next Tag, Price Grabber, and and start to implement a paid program um, with a lot of data behind it so that you're not flying blind. And then uh, you can manage those programs and achieve whatever ROI uh, metrics that you're after.
1: You mentioned Bing. Is that Bing Shopping? Yes. Uh-huh. Interesting. Tell us about some of the back-end issues that merchants need to be aware of, uh, if any. So you mentioned the the three that you just mentioned there, Google Shopping, Bing, and The Find, I believe were the three you just mentioned, were good places to start and that they're free. Are there back-end administrative issues that merchants need to be thinking about when they start listing their products on the on those sites?
0: Yeah, um, unfortunately, it's kind of an interesting kind of a a mix of technologies. Most of these engines are very technologically savvy on the front end, meaning they've got really good search engines and crisp UIs and lots of interesting things there. But on the back end, they're actually pretty primitive, Uh, and that that, that can be a big hurdle for a small merchant. And by primitive, what I mean is uh, they essentially, they each have their own file format, so um, and usually they deal in CSVs. They get advanced do XML, but for most folks listening to this podcast, they're they're going to be um, dealing with this, you know, the comma separated file. So, so what becomes very cumbersome is you don't want to be spending all day in Excel essentially generating CSVs for these engines. Uh, and even if you do the three three free ones, that's three different formats. There's three different ways you deliver them. Um uh, and everyone has pretty dynamic products these days. So you're gonna wanna if you update a product description or you add a new product or a price changes or whatnot, um, you need to keep these data feeds pretty um, up to date. So so that that can be kind of a maintenance nightmare. Um, and another kind of trick of the industry is all of these engines have what are called minimum requirements, which are data elements such as Short description, long description, an image URL, a price, and maybe a quantity, and that, those kinds of things. Well, that's the minimum. And unfortunately, in, in today's world, the minimum is never enough. So there's a bunch of recommended fields like attributes. So for a pair of jeans, for example, um, many engines may want up to 15 attributes. So, you know, what kind of wash does it have? What kind of hem? Is it bootleg or straight leg? All these different kinds of things that they use on the front end to enhance the buyer experience. And if you provide the minimum, your products aren't going to get seen. So, so it just kind of makes that data management issue that much uh, larger for a lot of merchants.
1: What happens under this scenario? If, if I'm out of a product, if I'm a smaller merchant, and I run out of a product, but it's still on these engines, so the engines, my feed is not current enough, and the engines show that I have a product. You mentioned the example of jeans, I think is what you just said. Uh, and someone clicks on it, and they go to my site, and I'm actually out of those what What are the ramifications to that?
0: Yeah, we always kind of call that call that kind of the worst click you can get because um you have no chance of getting roi on that click unless the shopper kind of wanted to buy jeans and ended up buying a treadmill mm-hmm. or something uh, uh, which which you know it does happen we used see cases of that, but uh, they're pretty infrequent so um so usually what what we recommend is that if you're out of stock of items, don't you know it's a bad cons- consumer experience to Publish out there to the world that you have the item. Another one is, you know, we see it all the time where there, you may have raised a price on something, or and um, you know, and the consumer looks out there and they see ninety nine dollars and they click through and it's one nineteen. There's no worse feeling and, um, and and way to really aggravate a consumer than by not having great data out there.
1: Scott, we we hear from folks that that counsel merchants to not, smaller merchants, to find a niche and to not compete on price. That is you're, you're not going to, a smaller merchant is not going to beat a big lar- a, a large retailer uh, on commodity type goods for price. A strategy of using comparison shopping engines seems to run counter to that, seems to be inviting a merchant to compete on price when consumers are comparing their products. Is that true?
0: To, to some extent, price does factor into it. And what, what happens is most of the comparison shopping engines don't default to a low price search. Um, part of the reason is that there, there's kind of, it's very hard for them to know exactly what you're looking for. And when you sort by a low price, that's when you really see a lot of things that aren't, that aren't what you're looking for. So, for example, you may go to an engine and type in iPod. And if you sort it by lowest price, what you're going to find is a bunch of iPod accessories. They have a hard time filtering out some of that stuff. So, so most of them implement more of a best match, trying to guess what you're looking for. And as part of that algorithm of of the search results, merchant feedback is a huge part of that. Um, there's also other things, and uh, it's kind of broader. When when we talk to small merchants, there's a, there's many ways they can differentiate themselves. Service is a huge one, and that's kind of ties into merchant ratings. Um, so service is really important. Selections another one where, you know, uh, within your niche, if you want to be um, – we have a customer that comes to mind that's like one of the top beading sites. They have every bead you could ever possibly imagine because they've decided that – that's what they're going to do. They're going to own this beading category, and they're going to really focus on selection and, and service. Um, another another element that small merchants have that large or don't is what I would call content. So um, just kind of take this beading example even further. In addition to having all these beads, having the best descriptions, you know, the best way to search for, through the beads. You know, maybe the diameter of the beads is important to you, and uh, a large merchant would never get around to. Uh, like Michaels, for example, michaels.com. You would never get around to having a bead-specific search engine. Well, a bead retailer could. Um, and then also content. So maybe some original content around, you know, how to get into beading. Uh, product reviews are really great original content that small merchants bring into the world that a lot of large merchants don't really have customers that will take time or the passion to do reviews like that. So... So if you think about that spectrum of ways to differentiate yourselves, comparison shopping engines uh, really allow for all of that to flow right on through. So, you know, selection obviously, if you're if you're the only guy providing ShopZilla with you know a really nice database of beads, you're gonna get a lot of extra sales from that. Um, if you're uh if your service is stellar and maybe your price is a little bit higher, but people do in today's day and age, they do care about service. And if you have more stars or smiley faces or whatever the comparison shopping engine uses, that's going to be beneficial to you. Uh, and, and then the same is with content where that content really shines too. If you can get it in your data feed and get it to the engines, um, you may someone may land on a page and see six different products described and yours may be two paragraphs and everyone else's is, is a short sentence. Well, that, that's going to make people feel like you're more of an expert around that and uh, they may need advice and help with whatever they're buying and they're going to tend to lean towards you versus the lower offering.
1: Speaking of price, shifting – Shifting gears just for a sec. How do comparison shopping engines? What is their pricing model? You mentioned the three or four earlier that are all free. So how do those how do those comparison engines make money?
0: They make money off of uh, other other. Um parts of their site. So Google, obviously, um, is trying to wrap really great content to help consumers with ads. Um, so They make their money off of the, the paid search program or, or text links. Defined is the same way and so is being. So those are three that are unique in the top ten and they're free. The rest of their business model is a cost-per-click business model, just like paid search. So it's typically done on a rate card versus an auction. So in, in paid search, you, you auction or, or bid using the CPC as the bid amount. Um, in comparison to shopping engines, there's usually a rate card. And that rate card will say something like, okay, on shopping.com, in the electronics category, you're going to pay $0.40. Cents, and in apparel, you're going to pay 29 And over here, you'll pay 18 and, uh and so on. So what you do is you pay on a cost-per-click basis. And then it's up to the merchant to figure out, uh, you know, for their basket of goods, what they're willing to pay the engine. And uh, what a lot of our customers do is they, they kind of boil it down to a percentage or um, sometimes they'll look at a return on ad spend um, if they're more often in the advertising world. Or what we found a lot of small merchants do is they look at it from a we, – we call it an effective take rate or um, or an effective revenue share. So what percentage of your sales went towards – comparison shopping engines. Most of our customers manage to kind of somewhere between 10 and 20%. And the way it works is, but let's say you send 1,000 products to shopping.com. And what you can start to pretty quickly do is as you track this, you can start to say, well, for 800 products, yes, I'm achieving my 10% or better. Um, but maybe for 200 products, uh, you're not. What you can do is you can actually stop advertising those products you, you don't have to advertise all your products you, you know it's up to you the retailer to decide which products are a good fit for the engines um, so then you say all right 800 of my thousand are working great 200 aren't i'm going to take those out of the data feed because i'm losing money on those i'm not achieving my financial goals so that's how most uh, merchants uh, manage these engines now some of the engines actually allow you to bid so you could say 800 of my products are doing really well maybe 100 of the products are doing well I'm willing to pay a little bit more on. Maybe I'm at 5% revenue share and I'd be willing to pay a little bit more or maybe I'll lower my price or something like that. Um, And then for the 200 that aren't doing well, you can actually lower your bid and say, okay, um, next tag, your your price for electronics is 40 cents. I only make money on this item at 20 cents, so that's what I'm going to bid. And then the engines do things on their side to either promote or demote your items based on what's going on with the bidding on a CPC basis.
1: Changing gears again, Scott, your company, Channel Advisor, is a leading e-commerce software and services provider. Tell our audience a little bit about your company.
0: Channel Advisor is a nine-year-old software company. And what we do is we provide retailers software. It's called software as a service or on-demand, maybe Um, you've heard of, where uh, you don't have to install any servers or anything like that. You just access our software through a browser. So so it's a very low cost uh, to get started, and, and there's no IT staff needed, so it's it's an ideal solution for small and large businesses. And what our software does is, um, in the field of comparison shopping engines, all those manual things I was talking about, our software takes care of that. So at one level, we're going to take your inventory and generate those day feeds for whatever engines you want us to. That's really only part of it, the feed kind of generation and translation part. Then on top of that, we're going to add uh, analytics so that you see which of your products are doing well, which are hitting their financial goals, and which are not. And then on top of that, we add something called channel optimization where we'll actually go, and on your behalf, we can delete products from the feed if they're not hitting your goals, or we can do the bidding if the engine allows such a thing. um, uh, We can bid the CPC down for for the retailer. Um, So what it allows you to do is Maybe on your own you can manage one or two of these free programs. Um, but if you use our software, then adding other engines essentially becomes a checkbox where you say, okay, I've gotten shopping.com really working for me. Now I'd like to add Shopzilla, uh, BizRate, and PriceGrabber, and three others. Um, then our software essentially allows you to do that in you know, literally under an hour kind of a time versus doing it yourself would, would, would be a huge undertaking. So that's what we do. We really help retailers save time and effort and effectively sell more through these channels. Um, In addition to comparison shopping, we also support marketplaces such as eBay, Amazon, buy.com. And then we have uh, quite a bit that we do in the world of paid search. Um, And then a lot of our customers that have come to us from eBay um, that don't have web stores, they use this for a web store as well. We have a premium web store. Uh, And last but not least, we also have a rich media offering where if you want to, have a, you know, apparel a site or something like that, that, that you want to have advanced zooming and panning and color changing, we, we have a product line for that as well.
1: Okay. We've got just a minute or two here. Anything else on your mind today for our listeners who are as you know, smaller e-commerce merchants?
0: We do have um, an area uh, that we call the Strategy and Support Center, ssc.channeladvisor.com. And we have tons of content out there. Um, A lot of it is targeted towards our customers, but we open it up for everybody. So if if listeners want to learn more about comparison shopping engines, uh, we have that as a resource. We also operate a blog called CSE Strategies. Uh and that's where we kind of keep everyone up to date on the uh any news items and exciting events in the world of comparison shopping. Uh and then last but not least, we'd love for people to consider our software. Uh the suite is called Channel Advisor Complete and it helps retailers with search, comparison shopping engines, marketplaces, web stores, and rich media.
1: Well for purposes of our listeners, we've been visiting with Scott Wingo. Scott is the CEO of Channel Advisor. Both Scott and Channel Advisor are innovators in the e commerce world. And that website, Channel Advisor's website, is channeladvisor.com. That's channeladvisor.com. And Scott Wingo, the CEO of Channel Advisor, we want to thank you for your time today, sir. That's all the time we have for this week's e commerce conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tune in next week for another new episode.